turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Someone once said we are very good at believing our own press. And as we'll see today, that is a truth. 2 Corinthians 13, coming up next. Oh, we love to deceive ourselves, don't we? The peril of self-deception will be the subject of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church right here in Hercules. We'd invite you to join us in 2 Corinthians 13 as we continue our survey of this amazing book. Oh, and at the close of our program, we'll tell you how to get free tickets for our November 2nd Truth For Today listener celebration. Great food, great fellowship, and a great opportunity to support this ministry. Again, more at the close of the program. Right now, here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast. 2 Corinthians 13. We're about to wrap up this marvelous book. I want to pick up chapter 13. Let me read it, and then we'll jump into the subject of the peril of self-deception. The peril of self-deception. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, But in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed You fail to meet the test. Now what's interesting is the false apostles were persuading some in the church to question the apostle Paul's authority as an apostle. Uh, They threw questions. He's not the real thing. And so they came in with another gospel, another Christ, another spirit, and they've got Paul on trial, as it were. We're judging you. We're judging you. Paul turns it. I'm coming for the third time. I've warned you about the sin among you. I've warned you about the murmuring, the immorality, and all that. 
I'm coming. And by the way, it's time for you to judge yourself. Quit judging me. I am the true thing. I am a true apostle. You need to examine whether you are a true follower. And it goes this way. Uh, if the false teachers can convince the Corinthians Paul is a false apostle, and they are the real thing, if they can convince the Corinthians they believe the wrong gospel, and they've got the true gospel, which is Christ, maybe, plus a whole lot of works, uh, then that church is thrown in disarray. Nobody knows if they're saved or not. Because I believe the message of a false po apostle. I believe the false message. So they're constantly, and Paul says, I'm coming back for the third time. I've written to you 29 chapters, more than any other church in the New Testament. And when I come back, I won't be timid. I won't be super humble. I'm coming in the boldness of an apostle, and I'm going to use the authority God gave me to deal with you. So he's taking on a critical group in the church. Many have never repented of their sin. And he's saying, I challenge you this. Are you truly in the faith? Have you examined yourself? And in the churches all across America, you ask the question, how many in that congregation are truly saved? Can you really know? Can you really know? Is there any difference? I uh, read a report here. It's an old one. Uh, but it was back, Barna had taken this on people. To be an American is to be a Christian with some people. Well, I'm an American. That means I'm a Christian. My father asked one of the iron workers he was working with, are you a Christian? And he said, hell yes. <laughs> Isn't everybody? How was his answer? I'm in good standing. I'll cuss a little to prove it. Yeah, that was his reply. Listen to what Barna says. That uh, in the 1990s, and oh my, these figures have, I know, changed so much. 65% of people in the United States claim to have made a personal commitment to Christ. 60, that'd be over half the country. They must all live in Texas. They don't live in California. You know, the Bible Belt. 85% um, consider themselves to be a Christian. Whether they just come on Easter and Christmas or not, I'm a Christian. Whatever that is, I'm a Christian. Um, so you've got all of this going on. Then you've got people in the church uh, that use this. J.D. Greer has written a little book. Manny uh, D'Souza gave it to me. Superb. We all have to get in the bookstore. Stop asking Jesus into your heart is what the name of the book is. He says, I was baptized four times, uh, asked Jesus in my heart at least a hundred times, and never knew I was saved. And he tells the story. He goes to a gym. He's going to do a little pickup basketball. He's there, picks up a game. 
He happens to be playing with a guy that is a bruiser, tattoos all over his body. And while they're playing, the guy begins to tell of all the women he's sleeping with and bragging about his lifestyle. And after a while, um, he says to Greer, he says, well, are you gonna, aren't you going to witness to me? And Greer was taken back that he even knew such language. What do you mean, witness to you? Uh, I, I, yeah, I guess I am. He said, it's been a long time since anyone's witnessed to me. And he says these words. He said, um, don't worry about me. I went to youth camp when I was 13, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I was legit. I became a super Christian. I went to youth group every week. I did the true love waits, the purity commitment thing. I memorized verses, and I went on mission trips. I even led other friends to Jesus Christ. About two years after that, however, I discovered sex. And I didn't like the idea of a God telling me who I could have sex with. So I decided to put God on hold for a while. And after a while, just quit believing in him altogether. I'm a happy atheist now. He then added, but here's what's awesome. The church I grew up in was Southern Baptist. And they taught eternal security. That means once saved, always saved. By the way, talking to Greer, aren't you a Baptist? And Greer just went silent. He thought, a Southern Baptist pastor. I believed in youth camp 20 years ago, and I haven't walked with Christ since, but I got my salvation. Is that guy saved? Don't go there. It might be you. Well, Pastor Phil, we'll be back in just a moment to continue our message here today on Truth For Today. I'd like to remind you, though, that coming up Friday, November the 2nd, mark it on your calendar, we have our 2018 Truth For Today listener celebration. It's from 6.30 to 9.30, again, Friday, November the 2nd. The event is free, but we do require a headcount for the food. So we would invite you to register either by calling or stopping by our website, which I'll give you in just a moment. Great food, great fellowship. Pastor Phil will bring a wonderful message, and we even have an auction whereby you can walk away with some amazing items while supporting Truth For Today Ministries. So get a hold of us today. You can reach us at 510-799-3171. That's 510-799-3171. Or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.com, and then click on the link that takes you to our 2018 Truth For Today listener celebration page, and you can register right there. You'll see the tab. All right, let's get back to our study now. Once again, here's Pastor Phil on this edition of Truth For Today. When you read the Roman Catholic rebuttal to the Reformation, they had a meeting of uh, 
at the Council of Trent, if you want to go up to Google or anything, and see all the ways they refuted the Reformation. They were against Luther. They were against all justification by faith. And I quote some of their documents uh, from that council. Rome officially holds that no one can know with certainty of a faith that cannot be subject to error and you cannot know for sure you've obtained the grace of God. They said if anyone says he will for certain with an absolute and infallible certainty have that great gift of perseverance even to the end Unless he shall have learned this by a special revelation, let him be anathema. No one can know they are going to be in heaven. Roman Catholic position. Because this is the Catholic position. When you baptize your baby, they said they are justified by faith right then. Baptism. Because it gets rid of original sin. You're born a sinner. They're big on that. Augustine taught it. The Bible teaches it. Children are conceived and born in sin. We, you didn't become a sinner. You were born a sinner. And that was Augustine championed that. And he argued against a man named Pelagius who said, no, we become sinners. We're not a sinner until we commit our first sin. Augustine championed, no, we were conceived in sin. We were born sinners. Just give us enough time. Maybe by two months we'll sin. Your child, I know, went to 10. Most of them learned much earlier. It's just built in. Built in. So, they said, only the church can get you in because after your baptism... Once you commit a mortal sin down here, from then on, you're not assured you can go to heaven unless the priest gives you the seven sacraments, unless you do penance, unless you do good works, and on and on and on. You cannot know. Matter of fact, you'll still probably have to go to purgatory because you'll be short in earning your way to heaven. So that's the Catholic position. You never know that you're going. I am depending on the church. I've got to have confession. I've got to have the aid of the church. So instead of Christ alone saves, they say Christ plus the church saves. Then you have other groups that say when you get saved, it's not for sure that you'll ultimately be saved. And many of us grew up in those circles. You can get saved, but you're not sure you'll be there. Because you may backslide in the meantime. You may sin in the meantime. And as I grew up, I had little, no instruction that what do I do when I sin? Do I have to start all over again? Am I unsaved? Simple illustration. I get saved at 14. That was great. It was the summer. Most of our kids got saved in the summer. They didn't have to live it at school. 
I go back to Helms. I'm in the ninth grade. And me and the guys stood at the gate. And we would do cut lows. And we'd make comments to whoever. And, and the guy walks through. And I just cuss him good to prove that we were still friends. Okay. Wasn't mad. I just cussed him. Boom. It goes off of me. I get away say, oh, I must be unsaved. Christians don't cuss. Unless they attend Valley Bible. So I thought, oh, I must be unsaved. So guess what I did? I just backslid. I stayed out of church the next five months. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I said, I, I met Christ. And here I am cussing. Because I never thought you would ever sin once you receive Christ. Have any of you found out different? If you say you're without sin, the truth is not in you. First John 1. But you've got to tell that baby Christian, you're not lost. You don't have to get saved again. You don't have to start over again. You've got to confess it, pick up, and go on. Go on. Now, let's look at what Jesus said in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 begins the greatest sermon in history, no doubt. The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes in the chapter 5 and he's going after external righteousness. What the Pharisees taught. You've got to look good on the outside. And so they'd say this. Uh, you, uh, we know adultery is wrong, but you can mentally have all the sex with other women you want. Jesus said, no, 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 no. What I offer in righteousness moves to the heart. It's not just external, I don't do it. I don't even lust after them. That'd be quite a message for our day when 70% of evangelical men view pornography once a week. 70%. Then you go over here and said, uh, I don't murder people. I just hate them. And Jesus said, I'm offering a righteousness. You don't even hate people. Not just externally eliminate them. And so he goes, he said, unless you have a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees, a righteousness that works from the inside out, that deals with motive, deals with the mind, deals with intentions of the heart. He said, you don't have a righteousness that will let you go to heaven. And that you know me. Chapter 6, he teaches us how to pray. He tells us not to worry. Chapter 7, he starts concluding the sermon. He does a little tirade on judging. Quit judging people. Uh, And he takes the uh, humorous metaphor. If you've got a problem as big as a log in your eye, don't be trying to correct people with smaller problems. Quit judging them. Quit judging them. Who, who may judge yourself, not them. Then he goes on and he begins to tell the story and analogy of a tree. Very simple illustration. He says, by the way, how do you know? What do you know about a plant? Uh, if you're not a farm boy that I am not, uh, my father was so good because he, he knew country, knew the San Joaquin Valley. He could tell you what kind of trees it was, just so he could look at them by the leaves and that type of thing. Well, most of us, let's say if you didn't know, you would know by the product. 
This must be a thistle bush because it bears thistles. Real simple. You get that. This must be an apple tree because it has apples. And so he said, you know a tree, what a man or woman really is by the products in their life. Well, what's being produced? Okay. So he evaluates them that way. And then he goes to this little thing in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Adonai, Adonai, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he's taking on the religious verbiage of the day. Lord, Lord. Woo. They must have been catechized. They must have grown up in the synagogue. They know how to call God by the right names. Lord, Lord. Pretty good language. You're taking a secular place. I can't imagine many secular people ever calling God Lord, Lord. They may take his name in vain. And they may be damning things in the name of God. But they're not going around saying, Lord, Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, you're great. No, no, no. These people are religionists. Very religious. Watch. On that day, many will say to me. Now, he just said that the road to eternal life is narrow and few there be that find it. But the way to destruction is broad and many find it. Isn't that odd that Jesus would say that? Have you noticed that in your neighborhood? It's the few that are saved. What about your family tree? Few. The many aren't. Jesus said that. And he didn't say, I'm so frustrated with trying to save people. No, no, he said, no, this is the way it will be. Few, if you're among the few, you need to praise God, thank God, and dance that he made you his own child. Yeah. Well, he goes into this then. Uh, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not run a pool hall in your name? Now, prophesy pretty heavy business. Have you ever done it? I mean, for the Jewish person, they thought of the prophets. Wait, wait. You prophesied? You, you said things, thus saith the Lord. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Wait, wait. And cast out demons in your name. You're saying, I wouldn't attend that church if I didn't believe the Bible. I'm not going to let a preacher tell me what I can do. I'll buy George. I'll get me a preacher to tell stories and leave my life alone. But if you're a Bible lover, you know God's Word is the final authority. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, 
Simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. By the way, as we mentioned earlier in the broadcast, you might want to mark it on your calendar Friday, November the 2nd. It is our Truth For Today listener celebration, a chance to enjoy some great food, amazing fellowship, and also an opportunity to help support Truth For Today ministries as we continue ministering to the greater Bay Area through the radio broadcast. Now, again, as mentioned, it's great food, great fellowship. Pastor Phil will bring a wonderful message. We even have an auction whereby you can walk away with some amazing items and at the same time help support Truth For Today Ministries. Here's the phone number. It's 510-799-3171. Or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.com. Click on the Truth For Today listener celebration banner, and then you'll see the register tab right there on the right-hand side. We'd love to see you. It is a great opportunity to get a chance to mingle with those of you who make Truth For Today a daily part of your growth in Christ. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today. Truth For Today.